Welcome to the Love Life Podcast, episode number 132, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You What? It's October 12th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, podcaster, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. What doesn't kill you makes you what? W-H-A-T, what? Well, I'm going to start this podcast by saying that it's kind of ironic. I am recording this from a rehabilitation center in Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania, location disclosed, after I had a extremely bad car accident. I I totaled a car that wasn't even mine. And I spent almost, uh, well, probably 20-some days in the hospital. And I have broken a lot of bones, a lot of bones. I can't walk, uh, but luckily I'm alive and my brain was not damaged. And um, I'm I'm not paralyzed and I will recover from all of my injuries. So that's that's all the good news. And as someone who's highly <clears throat> in tune with emotional intelligence and managing and processing my emotions, I have to tell you, I am still in shock. So it's <clears throat> we're about 6 weeks out from the Labor Day car accident and I'm I'm still in shock. So this is how slow I process my emotions. Well, clearly I was in the hospital for weeks and clearly I've been in the rehab center for weeks as well. So there's reality, but then there's like the shock of it because I've never, I never had a a bad car accident. I never broke a bone. I've never had so many of these lovely experiences. So it is a shock and it's also clearly upsetting. So I've allowed myself, I've allowed myself five to 10 minutes per day to cry and cry it out as needed. Now, I'd say the whole entire hospital stay, I I definitely took those five to 10 minutes. And sometimes I did it twice in a day, like right after the accident. I was really, I mean, it was so upsetting and shocking. And, uh, And now I have progressed where there are days where I don't have my five to 10 minute cry. So, uh, this is this is a, a little ironic. The title, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You What? Because this was a podcast I was working on before the accident. So it is what it is. And I'll have a lot to say later on in subsequent future podcasts about, you know, some insights I've been having and really just this uh, experience of it all. Because I am so lucky and I'm also not happy I had this horrible experience. So if you're new to my content, I would invite you to visit my website and sign up for my giveaway. Now I will tell you right now, I'm have a hold on shipping the giveaway gifts because I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not functional. I'm like in rehab. But eventually, at the beginning of sometime early in 2024, I will catch up on all the winners for the last couple months, ship out the gifts. So go ahead and go to my website and sign up for my current giveaway or not. And here's my disclaimer. So I want you to know that it is very important to me that I am not a medical professional. I'm not a therapist in any way. And nothing I say is intended to be medical or therapy advice, even if it sounds good. You should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider. Now, the next thing I want to say, and this is very, very, very uh, near and dear to my heart and has been for pretty much most of my life, is if you are suicidal, if you are suicidal, I'm asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. Lots of people commit suicide every year, and more people attempt to commit suicide every year. This is a problem, and there is help available, so I'm asking you to take the help. And I'm also asking to please excuse some of the background noise from the rehab center. I have it as the best environment that I can. And I have transcripts for my podcasts on the hosting site, rss.com, so you can get a transcript within a couple hours to 24 hours after a podcast is uploaded. All right, so let's dive into this topic. What doesn't kill you makes you what? What is the question? Well, some of you have an answer to that, and some of you have other answers to that. So what, what is the answer? Well, the answer is it depends. Now, if you look at songs and music, and hopefully you listen to music of some kind or another, because that can be very soothing and uh, very enjoyable. But, you know, Elton John's classic song is I'm Still Standing. I'm Still Standing. And the Beatles, Let It Be, kind of give a nod to when, when life isn't going your way or when life isn't easy. Or Queen's The Show Must Go On. And and recently, in more recent decades uh, we've had more pop artists taking their stab at songs like shake it off by taylor swift or the fight song by rachel platten or roar by Katy perry and and so many others and these songs as well as many books and movies are addressing how you handle difficult times how do you overcome adversity hardships and triumph over painful circumstances and difficulties. So I want to, in this opening, kind of lay some groundwork for what I'm going to say, because this is not um, a simple situation or or topic. It's a complex topic with a lot of of meat to it. And so in this beginning part, I want to lay out some changes in society and kind of the reality of where we are in humanity right now because that has an impact on the the topic of what doesn't kill you like makes you what how you handle that so if we look at in the past 40 uh, say to maybe 50 years maybe 60 but we've had an incredible and this is really addressing um, American families, but I think you, a lot of it uh, correlates to other countries. But in America, in the last 40 to 60 years, I'll say we've had an incredible breakdown of the nuclear family, which has provided a number of problems for people 
that before when the nuclear family was the norm, those problems weren't, they weren't problems. They didn't really exist unless you didn't have a nuclear family. So the breakdown of the American family or the breakdown of the nuclear family in society has caused more problems because you now have people who are alone or they're disenfranchised or they're separate from their family or they're isolated and they're, people are not getting the kind of support that families used to provide back in the day. Now we've also had major, major life-changing changes in technology that have changed how we function as a society, how we relate to people, how we are connected. And some of the, the changes have positive value. I'm not saying that technology changes are all bad because clearly they're not. But some of the technology changes have left people feeling more isolated, more disconnected, and more alone than ever before and less supported. And in particular, we are raising a generation of young adults, young children, young people, and young adults in their 20s to 30s who have grown up where gaming or video gaming or even sandbox type gaming has been their way of relating to their peers and they don't have as a result they don't have strong social skills and also as a result many of them don't have a lot of good friends or friends they can actually get together and socialize with and I hate to pile on I hate to pile on but I really want you to get the lay of the land in case you haven't listened to enough of my other podcasts but we have in this day and age in 2023 significantly more people with serious health problems than we have ever had in the history of humanity we are birthing babies that are being born with birth defects that have never been seen never been heard of brand new and we are birthing babies that are being born with cancer and with very serious health problems. So we, and it's not just babies, you know, we have a, a tremendous amount, if you look at the data and the research on health in America and health worldwide. But you know what, there's, there's even more, like suicide rates in, in, the, in the United States have increased 37%, 37%, that was for 2000 to 2018 prior to the pandemic. And suicide is now the second or third leading cause of death for youth in the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and many countries in Western Europe. And you can find a lot of information, but this is a growing epidemic that is not just limited to the United States. And there's, there's a number of, of reasons for it. But we can just keep piling on. We've got drug overdoses in the U.S., Drug addiction is increased exponentially over the past 38 years in the United States, up 9% almost every year, doubling about every eight years. If we add alcohol use and tobacco, you know, we would just, there's just no end to it. So the bottom line of what I'm laying out in this beginning section here is that we have, we have too many people where life is too hard for them. They can't make it through life without drugs or without alcohol or without killing themselves or they develop a health problem or, you know, like life is too hard for too many people. 
And my point of this podcast is to open up new avenues and get you thinking and hopefully spur you into action so that you and your friends and your family and your loved ones or your posse or your tribe can handle life in ways that serve you. Because it doesn't serve you if you have to numb your pain to get through the day. I mean, it's, it's certainly one way of doing, doing life. But I, I don't recommend it. I mean, I tried to cry in private in the hospital and, and here in rehab. And I've gotten caught a couple of times. And then the nurse will look at you like, well, what's wrong? Well, I'm, hello, I almost died in a car wreck and I can't walk and I'm... You know, you know, like clearly that's a good reason to cry. If you ever had a reason to cry, that is one of the good ones. And so it's healthy to cry and it's normal to cry, but we don't have a society where it's acceptable to cry or express your emotions. So I would just say to the nursing staff, by the way, oh, hey, I'm allowed to cry for five to 10 minutes. So I'm good. And then they would go, oh, oh, like, okay, like that, like it made sense to them. So the pot, this podcast, the point is to give you new avenues to go down so that when hardship hits you, and it's it surely will because life is hard, uh, that you have different places. So there are many things about life that are just hard. Like death is clearly one of the hardest. And whether you are very close or what, it doesn't really necessarily sometimes depend on the relationship you have with the person or whether you're you're biologically related death can be extremely hard divorce breakups infidelity infidelity um, terminal illness of a child or an adult domestic abuse domestic violence oh my gosh that is increasing loss of a job loss of a career poverty is very hard financial hardships are hard Having all of your money is stolen is really hard, or your assets all stolen. I know about that. Being a victim of a crime, addictions, mental health problems, being a caregiver, dealing with a special needs child or a special needs adult or an aging parent. I mean, the list goes on and on. These are very difficult and painful situations. And how you deal with that will depend on how how you are as a person and your skills and abilities. So there's typically kind of two polar opposites of the response to what doesn't kill you makes you blank. And the, and the more negative view is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. It makes you depressed, suicidal, angry, resigned, crushed, jaded, broken, withdrawn. It gives you health issues, which I'll talk about later. It can make you envious and uh, jealous, bitter, hopeless. That's one end of the continuum. And then at the opposite end of the continuum of what make what doesn't kill you makes you what would be the word stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, that, that's great, except that some things don't make people stronger. Some hardships make people bitter and make people jaded and make people withdraw. So it's not true for everyone that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But on that opposite end of the continuum, you, hardships can make you stronger, optimistic, more hopeful, more grateful, appreciative, help you savor the little things. Uh, if you use post-traumatic growth, then you'll be improving yourself. You can be triumphant. You can be more committed to creating your own future and having a great life. And it can certainly... 
help you be humble. Oh my heavens. This has been a very humbling experience being in rehab. So those are different responses. Those are the two different polar ends of the continuum. And in the middle is kind of like so-so. Like, you know, you're maybe not weaker, but you're definitely not stronger. You're just kind of getting through the day. And we have a lot of people who are literally just getting through the day, just getting through life. So this is not, there's no simple answer to this, but there's a lot of territory and a lot of ground. Like you have so many choices. If you want your life to go better, if you want to be more skilled in dealing with hardship or adversity or the things that you feel like could just kill you, one, I'm going to go through some layers or some different segments. So one segment is how do you view life? There's many, many different ways to view life. There's many different um, attitudes and beliefs, and they're, they're very different. And most people have multiple attitudes and beliefs. And many times people aren't even actually aware of what the beliefs or attitudes are that are driving them. So you could be optimistic or you could be pessimistic. So the optimistic view is the glass is half full, uh, but the pessimistic view is the glass is half empty. How about a really empowered view, the glass is refillable? Because of course the glass is refillable. Having the glass be half empty is really a scarcity mentality. And when I say a scarcity mentality, that's the opposite of abundance mentality. Scarcity is there's not enough, I better get some, there's never enough for me, there's not going to be enough for me. And that does not that does not leave you empowered. It's not empowering. You can keep it. I mean, you can keep whatever view you want. I don't it's no it doesn't make any difference to me, but I'm talking about of course you want to get through life and have an amazing life. Of course you do. So having an empowering view of life could be helpful. You can use post-traumatic growth, which is a thing, and it's been a thing since the beginning of time, in case you didn't know, although it's probably only 40 or so many, I don't know, 40 years ago or so many decades ago that we actually had the term post-traumatic growth and we had a body of research to support that. But using difficulties, hardship, adversity to make yourself grow, to grow and become a better version of yourself, become a better person because of your hardship. That's been done since the beginning of time. There is not one new thing to that, except we now have amazing flowcharts and diagrams and research. We now have amazing research. But you could you could take that as your view of life, that I'm going to take every hardship and I'm going to use it to make myself be, you know, to grow and become a better version. You can... Um, you could also just have disempowering attitudes and beliefs and like just really have disempowering attitudes like everyone's out to get me or I can't win or I never win. You know, like that's you have a complete choice, but the disempowering attitudes and beliefs, they're like landmines for you. They will blow up in your face and you don't even see them coming because you're asleep to what your disempowering attitudes or beliefs are. But these are controllable things for you. That, so your view of life can be changed. And we know, and I'll get into, we know because of neuroplasticity, you can change anything about yourself or your life with the appropriate stimuli or um, behavior or, um, yeah, that. Okay, so 
Your view of life is completely controllable and it's completely changeable. Whether you believe me or not, if you don't believe me, I would suggest you take a listen to my podcast on neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology because these are two concepts that are never going away, people, and they're proven. You, you, like those bells will not be unrung. I hate to break it to you. So you can change, and we know that we have the science that proves you can change. Now, if you don't want to change, you don't want to change. That's a different, that's a different horse. But you can change your view of life. Now, the next piece, this will not apply to everyone, but it applies to a fairly significant percentage of the population, although I do not know the percentage. I don't know that anybody has that statistic which is the role of rumination, brooding, catastrophizing, or what I like to call in the Lisa Lundy vocabulary, the negative thinking pack, P-A-C-K, which would be negative thinking, brooding, ruminating, catastrophizing. Now, the people who engage in this, this negative thinking pack, what frequently happens, well, first of all, frequently, the people who engage in and negative thinking, brooding, catastrophizing, ruminating, often are um, have irrational thinking. That's very, very, very common. Irrational thinking is extremely common, but it is common, most common, if you have this way of thinking, the negative thinking pack, brooding, ruminating, con- uh, catastrophizing, and the like, that it's very highly likely that you have some form of a cognitive distortion or irrational thinking, and also frequently low self-esteem. So if you have this, what happens to people frequently, if they have this way of thinking, now this is simply a way of thinking. Everybody doesn't do this. I don't do... I. I I have to say, I was probably only two or three years ago that I learned about rumination, brooding, and catastrophizing, and the the whole that whole piece, uh, and actually uh, irrational thinking as well. Not everyone thinks this way, and so if you think this way, if you get into this ruminating, negative thinking, brooding, you know, and you're just going over and over and over things in your mind, you can undo that. You can unlearn that, and you can learn to control your mind your M-I-N-D, your mind, your thinking. And that also, by the way, has been written about, talked about since the beginning of humanity. This whole concept of learning to control your thoughts and your thinking, there is nothing new to that, people. And you can go read about Aristotle, Plato, you know, I don't care, the greatest philosophers and researchers, and this is this is one of the things that they talk about. So, you could put on your list learning to control your mind if you had, tend to have this rumination, brooding, or catastrophizing because that that tends to get people wound up like a swirling vortex and frequently takes people out of the game of life for hours or days or even weeks and it just becomes a snowball effect and just like it's a total downward spiral for people who have it really good. Now there's of course different levels of rumination, brooding, and catastrophizing. But this is going to make life harder. It's just not going to make life easier. So next piece up, oh, this is one of my, this is one of my favorites, is the role of your emotions. So we've looked at, you know, the view, how you view life, whether you have, what kinds of ways you think. And by the way, I do have a podcast that talks about learning to control your mind. Now, I give you one, some suggestions, but there's so, there's like a, 
There's like many different ways to learn to control your mind. But the role of your emotions. So this is the mother load, people. This is like one of the, if not the most important, significant, or at least one of the most important, important significant things because you will either have emotional skills in, in how you identify, manage, and process your emotions, or you will be at the whim of your emotions. So you will either drive managing and processing your emotions, or you will be at the whim of them. And when you're at the whim of them, guess what? You usually, you might have addictions, you might engage in, in numbing activities so that you don't have to feel the pain. You know, there's a lot of different, not so great places people go when they don't have emotional skills and abilities. And here is the other greatest, great tragedy, is we are not teaching people how to manage and process their emotions. And even more tragic, if you go online and Google how to manage and process your emotions and look at the top, say the top first page of your search engine search and look at what those sites, those are the most popular sites giving advice on how to manage and process your emotions, you will hear things like punch a pillow, draw a picture, talk to a friend, you know, taking that, like there's all kinds of things, but that's not what, that's not the whole process. Those are not bad things to do. There's nothing wrong with that advice, but it is woefully incomplete. It is completely insufficient in, in the most heinous way, in my opinion. So to help you, because this is my job, my job, which by the way, I really love my job, is to help people be happy because I love happiness. I love love. I love happiness. I, I'm happy. I want you to be happy. Why would I? I don't want all the happiness for me. Of course, I'm going to always have happiness. Like you can count on that. No one's going to take that away because I control my own happiness. But I have on my website a free, 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 free downloadable workbook. We're on version 5.0, which teaches you, or it was the beginning instruction for how you learn this, how to learn to identify, manage, and process your emotions. And I say things in my workbook that you don't find on the internet, and that makes me really upset. Now, get go to my website, right under the Newsweek logo, download it and learn this. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. And if you're a parent or a teacher or a sports coach, Get on this and help your kids or your, you know, your peers or, you know, like help other people because this is what will change the world, in my opinion. You, you, you either are going to have some level of skill or your emotions run the show. You get upset, then you're mad, and then you, you get depressed and you can't get out of bed. It, like it's a vicious cycle. No, it doesn't have to be that way. So... The role of your emotions is the mother load. I've got a free workbook. You do want to check back because probably I'll be on version 6.0 in a couple of weeks or whenever I get to it. Because um, I, I am in rehab, so I, I, I am working out. Uh, so anyway, all right. So next up is the role of coping mechanisms and healthy boundaries. If you're unfamiliar with coping mechanisms or boundaries, these are two things that will help you. They will help you be happy and they will help you be healthy. And anything that helps you be happy and healthy is going to help you in times of hardship or adversity. I have podcasts on both of those topics. 
it's it's just not optional in my opinion and and we have a lot of people who actually lack coping mechanisms which is why we have rampant drug use and alcohol use you know suicides etc people don't have ways to cope with life and or they don't have healthy boundaries or both all right so next up because again we're laying out some options for you so that when life is what doesn't kill you what's going to have some positive effect so this is you getting your like getting your bearings is the role of love and affection oh my heavens this is so sadly missing in too many in the lives of too many people we are missing love we are missing affection not just in a romantic sense but in platonic relationships in families even i mean we have children who are young adults middle-aged adults and old 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 adults who have never been properly loved in their lifetime they're not well loved and this is just tragic awful sinful horrific it's like the worst but love and affection are things that you can put into your life and i hope that you will i have i have a couple different podcasts on love one being the lost art of love and affection but if you put that in your life and you did nothing else it would make an incredible difference so again you don't have to go learn how to manage and process your emotions although i sure hope you will i really do because sometimes people who don't know how to do that they just look like idiots and they don't even know they look like idiots because they don't even know what they don't know um, so put some love and affection platonic is fine romantic is fine both is fine you will not regret it and it will help you get through life in a, in a very significant way next topic for you in giving you options and different ways of of coping is my one of my favorite words besides love it, it love and affection is psycho neuroimmunology this just this just makes me so excited why because this psych what psycho neuroimmunology is it's the science it's the science that it combines psychology neurology and immunology it also goes by other names but psycho neuroimmunology or pni is one of the primary ones um and that's the science that proves the mind body connection your mind and your body are connected and that science will never ever be undone because first of all it's thousands of years in the making it's well researched they're down to the cytokine they are down to science that is way over my head only good for a phd researcher in certain clinical areas or or a physician who hasn't lost track of that level of science your mind is connected to your body so your physical health impacts your mental health your mental health impacts your physical health and i want to read two little components just so you get like how serious this is and it's really great so we know that scientifically that components of the immune system involved in inflammation are influenced not just by factors such as viruses and bacteria that are present inside the body but also so they're saying okay your body is influenced by inflammation is influenced by bacteria and um, viruses that are in the body but guess what here's what else influences inflammation in your body cues signals and events that are occurring outside of your body 
in the external social and physical environment in other words you know there are things outside of your body that can be disease permissive so i want to read one last little quote here in recent years it has been observed that psychological stress can be disease permissive as in chronic inflammatory diseases cancer cardiovascular diseases acute and chronic viral infections sepsis asthma and others so just let that sink in so psychological stress can be disease permissive well what we know in medicine is anytime that something can be permissive for disease then in the prevention model there's something that can be preventive that's like medicine is based on prevention so what would you do to prevent disease if psychological stress is disease permissive? Well, I've just given you things. Love and affection, understanding, you know, how your life is organized. Like you just have so many options to avoid disease um, by making your life happy. Happy, happy, happy. I know. Like this is why some people really don't like me is because I'm happy. And that's that really makes me feel bad for them. All right, so whether you like it or not, psychoneuroimmunology is here to stay, people. And I would like to see that term become common vocabulary where every person in the world understands this idea and 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 uses it to better their life. All right, next up is the role of faith and religion, which I usually don't talk about in my podcast, but I, I did a little dive in PubMed, obviously, before my accident. And I found this stunning statistic that said something like upwards of 80% of the world's population stated that they held some belief in God or religion. And I thought, wow, that seems, that seems high. I don't know if that's correct. So I'd like to fact check. If you haven't listened to enough of my podcast, I'm, I fact check myself and fact check and refact check because um, I like to be accurate. I want to give you accurate, current, valid information. Giving you like something that's not valid. Listen, I would take down a podcast in a in a nanosecond rather than give you something that's not current or valid. So I did look outside of PubMed and I found out that worldwide some of the statistics say nearly 80% or 84% of the global population identifies that was the language as a religious group. So having faith or practices or religious practices by the way in PubMed in the research this is researched an area of research they refer to it as religious coping, C-O-P-I-N-G. So having religious beliefs, religious practices, and faith falls under a coping mechanism or a coping strategy for life, and it can be very powerful. I was quite surprised to see the, the volume of research, or that there was any actual research in PubMed. I wasn't looking for that, but it happened upon it in my looking for something else. So religion of whatever sort can be a great tool to help you cope with life and be a coping mechanism. Now, the next idea for you is to have a good dream or a vision or be up to something. Throughout humanity, we have had, oh, so many civilizations and time periods where people went through horrific, awful things, just like, well, the Holocaust, for example. And one of the things that made a difference for people was if they had something to look forward to or they created a little 
dream or a vision or a hope or something to hope for. And that can make all the difference in the world and you can make it up. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, changing the world. It could be something very small, like I'm going to do one thing every day to take care of myself that makes me happy, or I'm going to do one thing I really enjoy every day. Like it doesn't have to be ginormous or gigantic. Um, and you can have it be ginormous or gigantic or huge. Like it's really up to you what you want it to be. But having something like uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> sometimes when bad things happen, you just have to look forward to the fact that you, it, you will get divorced someday. Like if you're in domestic abuse or domestic violence, you, you could just like create, oh, someday I, I'm going to escape. And that, that can be your, your beautiful future that you look forward to. And quite frankly, sadly, we have, oh my gosh, un, untold millions of Americans and people in the world that are living the daily horrors of domestic abuse without the violence. And, and this is just not even like, you think, oh, it's all these assertive, outgoing people. No, some of them are very meek and mild, and you would never guess they're an abuser and I'm probably going to do a podcast about those kinds of people or at least include some of it because some of them are very stealth it's it's shocking so don't underestimate the power of having something to hope for something to look forward to and you can create it you can create it out of nothing you don't have to have evidence that it will happen you can dream it believe it and start to take little steps to have have it happen that's actually what it's actually how I do my life uh, so I know I have a lot of proof that it works. All right. So the next piece I want to talk about is the role of trauma, trauma bonding, betrayal, trauma, trauma blindness. So sadly, most people in the world, most people, not 100%, but by and large, a whopping, surely probably over 90%. Like most people have had trauma in their life, whether it was in their childhood most people we actually know have had childhood trauma or childhood adverse experiences. And that's devastating. It's very devastating. And we're not dealing with the impact of trauma. So, for example, when you have trauma, whether you're a child or you're an adult, you typically will have a response to the trauma. So depression and, say, anxiety, by the way, anxiety and depression are two pretty common responses to trauma, childhood or adult. Well, how is it in 2023 that everybody on the planet does not recognize that anxiety and depression could be sourced by trauma? How, how did that happen? How do we get to 2023 and people don't know that? Well, I don't know how we got there, but I know how we can get off of that point, which is to start talking about trauma. And it's a very, very real situation that if you have trauma, and I would just start with the assumption that you probably do, that that's something that really can thwart you from thriving. It can thwart you in so many ways. It's, it's one of the ways or reasons that some people develop the negative thinking pack, the brooding, rumination, catastrophizing is as a child they couldn't please their parents or they couldn't please one parent or the other or they couldn't they could never seem to get love or affection and so in their mind they would go over things and over things and and they learned how to overthink and do all this stuff because they didn't know anything else 
So trauma is at the source of how most of us are put together. Now there are some ways that trauma can put you together that are more empowering than others, but none of it's good. I mean, I'm put together by trauma just like everybody else. It's just that some of my some of my trauma responses are a little bit more on the healthy side or a little bit more they're a little different. Like, you know, I don't really care what people think of me. That's a trauma response. You better believe that is a trauma response from a young age. Uh, so no, I really don't care. I mean, I'm a good person. I care about getting to heaven and being a good person. I care about loving people and being kind. And if that's not good enough for you, that's your problem. And actually, I have been told that I'm not good enough my whole life. Like, you know, so what we're doing, though, in society is we're normalizing abnormal behavior. We have normalized dysfunctional families and dysfunctional and inappropriate behavior to a level that is not tolerable and it's not sustainable, which is why we have the suicide rate as high as it is and why we have so many, you know, addiction problems and all the problems we're having can be probably easily traced back or sourced to undistinguished trauma or you may even know the trauma but I would say it was 2018 before I ever learned I had any trauma and I was like what what back up back up back it up really I have three concurrent traumas right now oh my god what are they oh what I've had a life of trauma oh my god what is it like how how is that possible i'm well read i'm pretty well read i'm more well read than a lot of people we're but we're not talking about trauma and we're certainly not talking about trauma bonding and that's where you unwittingly and kind of unknowingly bond with your abuser and that happens very often extremely often certainly happens in dysfunctional families and it certainly happens in domestic abuse marriages or partnerships uh, it does. You trauma bond and you, and you know, it's, oh, it's terrible. So you could start looking at one pathway. This is a pathway is you could start looking at trauma and your relationships and how you got put together. And that can really help you start to figure out, oh, God, guess what? Like, because I care so little about literally what people think of me. I mean, of course I care what my children think of me because they're my children and I love them, but I don't like go overboard to say, you know, I'm going to do this to please, like, you know, I'm not like in the people pleasing have to do, you know, no, like I'm living my best life. I've raised my children to live their best life. I hope they are. I think they are. And I did the best I could with them, but I didn't save my own children from trauma as hard as I tried because when you're stuck in certain situations, all you can do is hope and dream for the day you can escape and then escape. Like I've got, if you listen to some of my other podcasts, you, you'll know the backstory. All right. So let's say, so now what? You've had some hardship or adversity and like, where do you go from here? So I've got a few final suggestions to kind of wrap this up for you and give you some places to start. So number one. Just make a commitment to stay in the game. Like that you're not, no matter what happens, you're not going to give up or quit. And that's going to be easier for some people and harder for others. I, I understand that because 
some of the traumas that you listening to this podcast have faced and some of the traumas I've faced and some of the traumas that everyone I know has have faced carries with it a lifetime of a suicide risk. That's a piece that we're not talking about with trauma. We're really so disingenuous. So just stay in the game and stay committed that no matter what happens, you're not going to give up and you're not going to quit. My next suggestion is to boost or bump up your self-care and like do self-care like a boss like every day and make it fun listen one of the first things i requested from the hospital was mascara uh, an eyelash curler (laughs) eyeliner (laughs) no i had a friend go out and buy some because you know i didn't get get the stuff from the car i wrecked right away and yeah like me self-care yes every day hospital rehab yes well why not I want to look good. I want to feel good. I'm not seeing anybody that I need to see here. I'm not trying to impress anybody here. It's not about impressing anybody. It's about taking care of myself. So if you're not taking care of yourself, put that on your list and make it fun. Don't make life drudgery. Life is already hard. You don't need to pile on and make your life harder. I certainly hope and suggest that you go to my website, www.lisaalundy.com and download my free emotional processing workbook right below the Newsweek logo. It's free. It will be changing. It will continue to morph and change because I'm distinct. I'm like pulling, I'm pulling out for myself what it is I do because I'm really, really expert at this and nobody taught me and I didn't learn it or by reading anything so we don't know like all the things that I do and so that's why we're on version 5.0 download that and start using it because you don't have to allow your current circumstances to ruin your life or make you deeply depressed my next suggestion is that you make a decision to use post-traumatic growth grow yourself use your hardship to make yourself better Have life be richer and more rewarding as a result. I can tell you right now, I can come up with a list of things that I am sure took for granted most of my life because I've been healthy most of my life. Of course, I also work at being healthy people. It's not like I'm just lucky. No, I work at being healthy. I work at taking care of myself. But you could make a decision to take any hardship and use it to grow. And become a better version of yourself. Why not? I don't know. I already suggested, but put love and affection into your life. Oh, if you do nothing else, please do that. Do things that you know are going to make you happy and feel good. Now, I'm not talking about addictions that are not healthy. I'm talking about do things that make you happy and that are good for you and healthy. And if you don't have things that make you happy and are healthy while you could troll through a bunch of my podcasts and get tons of ideas and certainly one of the ideas you would get would be have a reward system because you should get rewarded for things that you're doing in life you mostly most of us have had hard lives like if you were really wanting to be honest most of us have had painful difficult lives Like if we rip off the band-aid and stop pretending about the quality of our lives, we've had hard lives. So why not, why not get rewarded every day or every week for, for doing life? Like I, I just love that idea. And 
I, I think oh, I, I had a reward system back in college. I won't even tell you about that. Make yourself a priority. You can't save anyone else if you're not saved. So save yourself. Do your self-care. Put love and affection. <clears throat> and along the way, who could support you? Who could help you? Well, there's probably people who would love to support you and help you if they knew you were struggling. But we, we, we as a rule... Like, we struggle, and we don't even tell people we're struggling. Well, I, I do. <laughs> I know. I'm just one of those kind of people. So I hope that you found this helpful. The whole idea is that you want to move from what, what doesn't kill you, makes you jaded, broken, suicidal, and depressed. You want to go from what doesn't kill you, creates a whole new powerful life for yourself. Like you don't have to have a fatal, near fatal car accident to start to appreciate being able to walk or talk or whatever. So get going on your life. My request is that you start making your life amazing because you deserve it. You deserve love. You deserve to be loved. I'm, I already love you. You're very lovable. I promise you you're lovable. Even if your family hasn't been nice to you or you're with a partner who's cruel and vicious. And I know people, I know people right now that are with or married to people who are just abusing the living daylights out of them. And it's very sad. But if you're in that boat or any other boat with lots of hardships, get going because you can have love and happiness and all the great stuff, even when life is hard. Like even if you're in rehab. And my, my next request would be to share this podcast so you can help other people get happy, healthy, and have a great life. That's it. Thanks. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 132, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You What? I hope you will consider using bitterly hard circumstances and situations to improve your life and have your life move forward in a positive direction because it's an option. It's always an option. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And most importantly, please share this with people who are struggling because there are so many people that are struggling and that we can help and reach. I love you. I appreciate you. Hang in there for now. That's all.